This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Named the best podcast of 2018 by Apple. Tons of fascinating guests. Untold stories you won't hear anywhere else. Expand your wisdom and discover other perspectives that you've never considered before with The Jordan Harbinger Show. Join Jordan as he interviews high-profile people as well as intriguing personalities. Each episode features a discussion that might just take you anywhere. I recommend episode 970, where Jordan and guest Annie Jacobson talk nuclear annihilation. How likely is it? How scared should you be? And what comes after? There's also episode 886 with David Farina, which delves into the wacky world of flat earthers. These episodes are great starting points, but you're sure to find deep, interesting, and thought-provoking topics throughout Jordan's catalog. Turn off the music and turn up the wisdom with The Jordan Harbinger Show. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. There are countless locations around the world believed to be haunted. We have visited haunted houses, castles, forests, and rivers. But there are many more places that ghosts and other terrifying creatures have been sighted. Even if you have never been afraid of the water, after today's episode, you may think twice before dipping into your favorite lake for a swim. Deep in the murky bottom of Lake Lanier sits a town that many have forgotten. It's a town with a past steeped in tragedy and injustice. It's a town where some of its ghostly residents may still reside today, haunting the lake that swallowed their homes. Welcome to Destination Terror, your passport to the scariest places in the world. From haunted hotels to locations of unexplained creature sightings, we will travel to places that will provide excitement, adventure, and horror. Today we are discussing Oscarville, a ghost town that still sits at the bottom of Lake Lanier in northern Georgia. So if you are into travel and all things scary, listen close and you might just discover your next exciting adventure destination, but hopefully not your final destination. Destination Terror is an EerieCast original podcast hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. If you would like to send us a suggestion or submit a story with your own experience, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter at Carmen Carrion. If you enjoy the show, please follow and rate Destination Terror on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to help us grow. Also, check out EerieCast.com for more scary podcasts, such as Tales from the Break Room, featuring allegedly true and terrifying stories that happened on the job. Luke calmly sat in the passenger seat of the older model Ford van while it cruised down the highway. Classic rock was playing so loud he couldn't speak if he wanted to. 
though in this situation he hadn't had much to say. His mother had forced him to be here, and there wasn't much use in talking. It seemed everything he said somehow led to an argument. So he decided to just kick back and listen to the music. He watched her thump her thumbs on the steering wheel to the beat of whatever song was playing. It hadn't always been like this between them. For many years, it was just him and his mother. At times, it felt like it was them against the world. Though six months ago, all that started to change. Luke's mom met a guy named Gary. At first, it was short dates on Friday evenings. Luke was glad that his mom was getting out there and having fun. Slowly, the dates went longer and began to happen more often. It wasn't long before Luke's mom wanted him to meet Gary. The idea seemed harmless enough at first. Luke even liked that his mother seemed so excited about it. She was smiling and laughing more than she had in years. The evening finally came and disaster couldn't quite explain it. Gary was a few years older than Luke's mother. He spoke to her almost like she was a child. Then he started asking her to bring him drinks and treating her almost like she was mildly beneath him. It made matters much worse when Gary began to tell Luke that he already had a job when he was 15. He told him that he should have more ambition than living off of his mother forever. Luke's mother had sensed the animosity in the air and had told him she was fine with their living arrangements. To which Gary replied, You're too soft on him, Sharon. That's why he will stay here and run you over. Luke couldn't remember exactly what took place next. In his anger, apparently, he had said a lot of unbecoming things to Gary. Shortly thereafter, he had run him out the door. That had been a few weeks ago. Luke had urged his mother to stay away from her new boyfriend. Gary's response was that Luke and his mom should come on a three-day trip with him. Give the boys a chance to bond and bury the proverbial hatchet. Luke had originally said, one hell freezes over. Though his mother had forced it, and Luke could tell she wasn't going to let up. So now here he was less than an hour away from the location where he would be spending three days with one of his least favorite people on the planet. To make matters much worse, it seemed Gary liked to go scuba diving. That's why he had planned the trip to begin with. So it only made sense to Luke that the trip to help them bond would be something Gary loved to do. Upon arrival at the cabin, Gary met them in the parking lot. This time, he seemed much more giving and nicer. He even shook Luke's hand and apologized for the way the last meeting had went. It wasn't lost on Luke that he hadn't apologized for his own actions, just for the evening going bad. Though if they were going to have to spend three days together, Luke figured it would be better to accept and move on. Once Luke and his mother's things were in their rooms, they went back downstairs to meet Gary in the living area of the cabin. The cabin was pretty large, and even nice in a rustic kind of way. Gary grabbed Sharon around the waist and picked her up and spun her around. He told her he was so glad they had came, 
and promised that it would be an adventure. The cabin sat on a dirt lane just down the road from Lake Lanier. Apparently, there used to be a town where the lake is back in the 50s. Many parts of the town were eerily still at the bottom of the lake. The next morning, Gary was planning on teaching Luke to dive, and they were going to explore the ghost town beneath the lake. Luke couldn't help but think, jerk or not, that did sound pretty cool. That evening, they grilled some steaks on the back deck of the cabin. Gary went through all their gear, explaining what each piece did, so that Luke would be ready for their adventure the following morning. He also explained that he had learned to dive when he was very young, and had always wanted to come here and see this. During the conversation, at times, Luke would ask a question or make remarks to his mom. This is when Gary began to snap at him again. He would tell him if he wasn't going to pay attention, that he didn't get to come. Luke sucked in a deep breath and continued to try very hard to be nice for his mother's sake. That night, while looking out a window, Luke could have sworn he saw the outline of a person wandering around in the yard. It looked like a woman in a dress, a blue dress if he was making it out clearly. She seemed to be sticking pretty close to the water. When he spoke up to say he thought he saw someone outside, the figure turned towards the cabin, stared for a moment, and disappeared. Gary and Sharon dismissed it as probably tree limbs swaying in the wind. Either way, it kind of gave Luke the creeps. The next morning, he awoke early to the sound of laughing coming from downstairs. He walked out of his room and just made it to the first step when he heard Gary say, Good thing we weren't in a hurry. We would have just left you behind. Luke apologized half-heartedly and went to his room to get ready. Soon he was dressed and they were on their way to wherever they would start their journey. Gary had mentioned the evening before that an old buddy of his had told him where to go to see the good stuff. They pulled up to an old boat ramp that was covered in weeds. It was three-quarters of the way submerged in water. Gary made the comment that he believed this was it. He told them that it had appeared back in the drought of 07. Somehow, it had never fully been engulfed in water again. This was the marker Gary had been told about. They began suiting up and getting their diving gear on. Something didn't seem right to Luke about this. He got a sick feeling in the pit of his stomach. He mentioned that he might not want to go after all. His mom reassured him that it was okay and he didn't have to. But Gary told him it was just first-time nerves. He assured Luke everything would be fine. He told him that once he was in the water, he would forget about that little bit of fear. Besides... Your mom will be right here holding onto lines connected to us, he added. Everything is safe and we'll be fine. Just as Luke began to submerge himself in the muddy water, he could have sworn he caught a glimpse of a lady in a blue dress out of the corner of his eye. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? 
Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Georgia's Lake Lanier is the most controversial and haunted lake in America. Even though it has a dark past and a track record of tragedy after tragedy, millions still visit the North Georgia Lake. Built atop multiple sunken communities and cemeteries, the lake still attracts tragedies of all kinds. Its dark past and ghostly reputation have been the topics of dozens of podcasts, hundreds of news stories, and the amateur investigative sleuthing of thousands. To many Georgians, the large, serpentine lake northeast of Atlanta is a recreational hotspot, popular for boating and water sports. But supernatural lore and urban legends about the lake have found a receptive audience on social media, where they've found legions of believers. Nearly 700 deaths have occurred since its creation in the middle of the 1950s, many of which are bizarre, unexplained, and unsolved. Since 1994, about 200 of the deaths have taken place, and at least 27 of those individuals have never been located. With all the tragedy and mystery surrounding the lake, it isn't difficult to believe that something is amiss. Nevertheless, depending on your source, the lake draws between 8 and 10 million tourists each year. The Gainesville Hall County Chamber of Commerce estimates that it brings in around 5 million annually and calls it the most visited core lake in the United States. It all started when the River and Harbors Act passed by Congress in 1946, sought to improve the nation's waterways. Among the authorized projects was a $45 million investment in the yet-to-be-named Lake Lanier, which was created by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers alongside the Buford Dam. Atlanta, a rapidly expanding metropolis, required a water supply and a way to generate hydroelectric power as well as a way to protect nearby settlements from the Chattahoochee River's frequent floods. Lake Lanier, which bears writer, poet, musician, and Confederate war veteran Sidney Lanier's name, is located about 40 miles northeast of Atlanta, between the Georgia communities of Cumming, Gainesville, and Buford. The building of this lake was controversial from the start, because no one knew what it would be used for, 44% of the budget was used to acquire the necessary land and relocate the families, businesses, and churches that had thrived on the area that is now Lake Lanier. 
while 56% went toward design and construction. The U.S. government acquired 50,000 acres of farmland over the five years it took to create the lake, and it also uprooted 250 families, although some sources claim it was more like 700, along with 15 enterprises. 20 cemeteries were relocated as part of the process as well. Many of the roads, infrastructure, and buildings that were submerged during the lake's formation were left in their original condition. On the lake's bottom, divers discover unsettling remnants of streets, walls, and buildings that resemble an abandoned ghost town. There are said to be 20 undiscovered cemeteries at the bottom of the lake that still include headstones and graves. That is according to the Discovery Channel show Expedition X. Many of the buried ancestors of the disrupted populations were never relocated, thus sparking many stories of haunted encounters. While villages were flooded and shelled to create several core lakes in the south, Lake Lanier has one dark chapter in its history that must be acknowledged before discussing either its success or its haunting. In the 1830s, its Cherokee inhabitants were expelled from their ancestral lands and sent away west along the Trail of Tears. More than 4,000 Cherokee died on the tragic journey. In the 1940s, approximately 12,000 people lived in Forsyth County, Georgia, prior to Lake Lanier's arrival. More than 1,000 of them came from Oscarville, a vibrant black farming town. Many were descendants of formerly enslaved people who had once lived there, and many of them had their own land. The main focuses on life were farming, church, education, and business. But two separate instances involving two white women happened in 1912, each occurring a week apart. May Crow was discovered in the woods having been beaten and assaulted, while Ellen Grice claimed to have woken up to a black man in her bed. In order to get justice, White citizens frequently terrorized black people on the basis of unfounded accusations. There was a turning point here. The consecutive assault sparked a mob that sought for and drove out the black population of Oscarville. Black people were forcibly relocated during the 1920s and 1930s, and large amounts of their land were transferred by and to white people. Beginning in the 1950s, the neighborhood, which is now largely white, witnessed the land's value increasing at a rate equal to that of Atlanta's populace. Then came the flooding waters. To create Lake Lanier, the U.S. government needed the land. Those who were willing to sell, the government paid. The Army Corps of Engineers removed or destroyed whatever they deemed hazardous in order to prepare the area for being submerged in water. Trees were uprooted and carted off. Wooden barns and other structures that might float and harm boats were relocated. Bridges and water intakes, among other significant infrastructure, were moved. Communities drifted apart when the dam building got underway. Instead of being a short walk away, neighbors were suddenly located far distant. But as people warmed to the concept of fun lakeside activities, and saw that the Corps wasn't leaving, 
the community's sadness, suffering, and dread started to fade. In fact, before it was even built, trolley loads of locals began swimming in the lake. Swimmers would catch their clothing on trees whose tops extended above the water's surface. When Delia May Parker Young and Susie Roberts took their car for a joyride and crashed it off a bridge in 1958, the Lake Lanier deaths officially began. They had undoubtedly attended a dance and may have been drunk. They were in their early 20s and extremely youthful, taking the kinds of risks that many other young people do. Susie's body was still inside the car when divers found it at the lake's bottom in 1990. But a fisherman in 1959 found Delia's rotting remains. Remnants of the blue dress she wore the night she drowned were still visible. Locals assert that they have witnessed her spirit at the lake's edge wearing the identical blue dress, complete with handless arms and an eyeless face. Some claim that she has attempted to drag people underwater to join her. After that, the deaths just kept on happening. There are reports of swimmers diving in and never resurfacing, boats crashing and ejecting passengers into the murky waters. Even without a curse, the lake's aquatic environment is dangerous. The tendrils of lake weeds shoot up towards swimmers entangle their limbs around underwater structures, choking them. For boat propellers, the rusty wreckage of automobiles, tractors, and even ferries pose difficulties that are occasionally not indicated. Even the sediment at the lake's bottom is hazardous because it has a rare antibiotic-resistant strain of the Staphylococcus bacteria that can infect divers and beachgoers with a disease that is challenging to treat. There is a horror film being made that uncovers the truth about Oscarville and Lake Lanier, hopefully shedding some light on the alleged curse. The authors and producers of Lanier, which began production in early 2022, hope to recount the narrative in a way that does Oscarville honor by fusing the historical and horror genres into a single feature film. According to William Bush Anderson, the film's director, co-writer, and producer, There have been movies that have happened near Lake Lanier, but nothing has ever hit on Oscarville or anything even remotely similar to that. Inspired by the true events of Oscarville, Georgia, Lanier is the story of a detective who's forced to come to a realization of the dark truth hidden at the bottom of Lake Lanier. Despite its dark history, its numerous tragedies, and the continued whispers of a curse, Lake Lanier is one of America's favorite lakes. Lanier is the largest lake in Georgia, having nearly 700 miles of shoreline spread over 38,000 acres of spectacular scenery. The water in Lake Lanier comes from Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. The rain falls on the mountains, runs over beautiful waterfalls, and then makes its way down to Lake Lanier via the Chattahoochee and Chesapeake rivers. While the original Go was a multi-purpose lake for water supply, flood control, and natural resources protection, Lake Lanier today also serves as one of the preeminent lakes in the southeast for recreation and tourism. Lake Lanier is located in portions of Hall, Forsyth, Dawson, Gwinnett, and Lumpkin counties. The major towns proximate to the lake are Buford, Gainesville, and Cumming. 
It's just 60 miles north of Atlanta and about 150 miles southeast of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and about 210 miles southwest of Charlotte, North Carolina. Lake Lanier offers something for everyone, though the most popular activities include fishing, boating, and camping, based on the area's abundant natural resources. Lake Lanier has recreational activities for the whole family. The lake also has golfing facilities, as well as the world's best kayaking, water skiing, and swimming spots. Over 45 parks and 10 campgrounds line the shores of Lake Lanier. In 2013, Lanier welcomed its first state park, Don Carter State Park. With so many lovely parks and campgrounds scattered around the 700 miles of shoreline, visitors won't have difficulty finding a park to suit their needs. Many lifelong locals hold deep beliefs that the waters of Lake Lanier are cursed due to its grim history. The curse is still mentioned in whispers and at funerals. People claim that the number of fatalities is simply too high. They have also spotted ghosts. They are aware of the history, including the number of people that were killed and forced off their land. Blood has seeped deep into the ground beneath Lake Lanier. As Luke traversed his way through the murky water, he felt panic come over him more than once. Visibility was very low, and he could barely keep up with Gary, who didn't seem to care if he lost Luke or not. They were slowly going deeper, and this added to the claustrophobic anxiety. After a few minutes, the water began to clear up. This didn't take away from the feeling of dread that was in Luke's chest, though it certainly helped him breathe better. Then all at once, he was amazed. The bottom of the lake that had been mud and tree branches started to change. Luke could see what looked like an old bicycle. He and Gary stopped to check it out. It was laying not too far from an old fence that was now in pieces. Gary had been right. It seemed like the town was still the same as the day it was flooded, locked in a tomb of water for decades. At that point, Luke forgot about some of his fears. Once they started seeing old buildings and a few cars, it seemed to bring out his adventurous side. They could actually swim into the windows of one of the old cars. Of course, everything had been taken from inside a long time ago. Somehow it was neat to Luke that he was looking at and touching something that hadn't been seen in the light of day in many years. Soon they made their way toward a different corner. It was obvious after a minute that it had been a small graveyard. It wouldn't have occurred to Luke that those would have still been there as well. It was rather concerning to him whether or not the bodies would stay buried. The thought of seeing a corpse float by was a little more than Luke could handle. He was reluctant to follow Gary quite so eagerly through this part of the town. However, it didn't seem to bother Gary, who at one point was digging on top of the graves with his hands. The only reason he stopped was because he was stirring up the mud to the point they couldn't see anything. Though, while they were swimming away from it, Luke caught a glimpse of something. He couldn't make it out, but through the clouds of mud, it looked like someone was walking normally. Not swimming or diving, 
but walking, like it was a normal day and there was no water around them. It had only been a quick glimpse, and Luke wasn't sure if that's what he had seen at all. As he decided to swim a little faster to get away from there, something else happened. It was surreal and happened so fast, Luke didn't really have time to process it properly. Something had grabbed his foot and tugged it. Gary was in front of him, so it couldn't have been him. There was no one else around them. Luke at first assumed that he must have snagged it on something. Though it happened again, but the second time was different. It was a lot more forceful and aggressive. Luke could also tell it was in fact a hand. As he jerked his foot from whatever or whoever had gripped it, he looked forward and tried to get Gary's attention. That's when Luke realized Gary was dealing with his own problems. Horror flew through Luke's body when he got a clear view of what was happening. The lady in the blue dress he thought he had seen on the shore had her hands around Gary's neck. He had his hands around hers, trying to pull them away. Before Luke had a chance to ask himself any of the rational questions, like why is the lady under the water without oxygen, he yanked his foot free and rushed to Gary's aid. Luke grabbed the lady by her forearm and pulled hard as he could. Instead of her arm moving, all the flesh on the underside slid right off the bone. Luke was now holding rotten tissue in his hand, and bits and pieces floated through the water up around his face. This got the lady's attention. She let go of Gary and came for Luke. He dodged and managed to stay out of her grasp. He looked over to where Gary had been and saw him swimming away. Luke was being left to deal with this woman on his own. Suddenly he remembered the small cords that they had attached to themselves that his mother was supposed to be watching from shore. Luke quickly grabbed it and gave it a good tug. He felt no tension on it at all. This could only mean that it was cut or had come loose. Either way, it wouldn't help him now. He began to swim up so that he could surface. That's when his feet were grabbed once more. Luke was being pulled back under the water by whatever that terrifying thing was. He was reaching and trying to grab something, and there was nothing but water. The struggle had made the mud clouds so dense he couldn't see anything. All he could feel was those awful hands grabbing frantically at him. Then he felt them go around his waist. As he pushed and fought, the face of the thing that had him pushed up against his mask. Luke could clearly see that she had no eyes. Her lips had rotted and curled up long ago, exposing brown teeth. That awful sight was now compounded by the fact that Luke noticed there were more than one set of hands holding him. Somehow, in a moment of pure terror, or maybe survival mode, Luke managed to pull himself free. He swam as hard as he could for the surface, not realizing the struggle had confused him and he was actually swimming down. 
realizing there were four to maybe even five of those things behind him. He quickly made the only choice he felt like he had. He swam into the window of an old house. He thought if he could just hide long enough to lose them, he could hurry and surface. Once inside, he knew how dangerous the decision had been. The place was barely standing. The pressure of the water, mixed with how rotten the wood was, made it a death trap. All it would take is a small push, and it would cave in, trapping or even killing him. He knew he had to be running low on oxygen. He could see the shadow of one of those things moving around. Having very little time to think, Luke came up with a quick plan. He turned his flashlight back on to get their attention. He swam to the nearest window and waited. As the creatures bunched up to come and grab him, Luke pulled himself out the window. Afraid his plan was failing him, he pushed with everything he had. One of the hands came out of the window and grabbed his mask, pulling it from his face. About that time, the wall gave, and the structure came down on top of the awful creatures. Luke quickly pulled away, now having no time as the hand still had his mask clutched in it. He swam hard and fast to get to the surface. Just as his lungs began to burn, Luke could make out the light. He started to get dizzy when thankfully he felt his face break through the surface of the water. He gasped the air into his lungs, never being more grateful for it. As he swam for the shore with every bit of energy he had left, he didn't want to spend one more moment in the water. Once he climbed out of the water onto land, he let his weight overtake him and fell to the ground. He crawled up the small hill and collapsed. Luke knew he couldn't stay there, though every fiber of his being needed to rest. Soon he pushed the oxygen tank from his back and stripped every bit of his gear off, letting it fall to the ground. He wasn't sure how far he was from where they had started, but he felt like he at least knew what direction to go in. It was then that he noticed that the hateful creature had jerked on his legs so hard he had actually injured his knee. So, there would be no running. He walked as fast as he could with a painful limp. Thankfully, it wasn't long before Luke was seeing a familiar area. He could see the truck they drove in and the old boat ramp. He yelled out for his mother. At first, there was no reply, but after a few moments, he could hear her screaming back for him to come quickly. Luke limped as fast as he could to where her voice had come from. On the far side of the truck, down close to the water, he saw his mother kneeling over Gary. She was holding his hands and crying. As soon as she saw Luke, she jumped and ran, giving him a tight hug. Luke's mother began recounting that Gary had told her that they had been attacked and had gotten separated. Luke yelled out, More like he left me to die. By that point, Gary was trying to stand up while calling Luke a liar and telling his mother that he had actually saved Luke's life. And then he said, I should have just let the little bastard die. Luke's mother turned with a look of anger in her eyes. 
she didn't get a chance to get a word out. In the flash of a second, two hands came from under the water, one of them missing flesh on the arm. They grasped Gary's ankles and pulled with enough force that his feet came out from under him. He struck his head on the pavement of the boat ramp and was slowly pulled beneath the muddy water. Thank you for joining us to explore Oscarville and the cursed Lake Lanier. Tune in next week as we discuss another terrific location. I'm Carmen Carrion. Remember, you can send me suggestions and stories of haunted places to my email, carmencarrion at gmail.com, or follow me on Twitter at Carmen Carrion. Be sure to check out EerieCast.com for more terrifying podcasts. Until next time, be safe out there until I see you at our next destination. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.